Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello there. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Uh, let's see, it's September 13th. I was telling somebody the other day, they they said, what's the date? I said, you know, half the time, I don't even know what day of the week it is. That's how pathetic I am. And it's a direct result of the pandemic and the, you know, change from sort of our normal existences that, you know, work weeks and all that. Why aren't I saying something that's interesting? <laughs> that that's the job. Okay, let's uh, do this. I've got my usual, you know, Monday, Monday uh, confusion. Oh man, the thing about Monday is I've spent the last three days, uh, you know, taking in information, reading, and and saying, oh, oh, wow, wow, I gotta. I got to share this. I got to share that. And then I end up on Monday morning looking at this pile of ripped up papers I've got. And half the time I can't even remember why I thought it was interesting. (laughs) Or I note that taken together, the whole pile of papers is a compilation of horror and distress. And given that it's a Monday morning, I'm I'm disinclined to wade into it. Uh, Great Steeler comeback yesterday. I went on to watch my other team, the Green Bay Packers. (laughs) Did, Did any of you see that? Wow. I actually got on the phone and watched along with my mom. Uh, and so we watched the, Final humiliating uh, fourth quarter together. Whoa. I'm not that into football anymore, I have to tell you. But I know that for a lot of people, that is uh, something that feels like a normal thing come back. I also watched the U.S. Open finals, uh, which... I I don't I'm not into tennis I don't but wow uh, they were amazing and I was especially taken by the two young young women who came out of nowhere and uh, were just delightful in in every way in victory and defeat in representing uh, the sport and themselves it, it was just it was just wonderful. Wonderful. So that was something good. And that's, uh, you know, so I don't want to demean sports in any way because it is a way uh, to be entertained and distracted by other people's uh, extraordinary athletic prowess. So I almost went right from there to uh, Trump. Let me just say this, and, and, you know, I really don't talk about him much, and I don't intend to now, but you wonder how 
Republicans or people who, yeah, Republicans, can possibly give the guy a pass for failing to join the other presidents of the United States spending Saturday honoring the sacrifice of so many Americans and it's astonishing and his absence is is you know it's not that there's this like I didn't hear howls of condemnation uh, which would be the case for any other president who didn't show. Granted, Jim Carter, whatever, but he's he's 170 or something, and we certainly know that he didn't spend the day uh, being a grifter, uh, getting paid probably obscene amounts of money for providing or commentary on something that supposedly was a boxing match but really wasn't. Some grotesque reality show, which is, of course, what Donald Trump does. I heard a quote from his niece saying that he doesn't get treated like Anybody else, he doesn't he doesn't have any um, God, I'm sorry, I'm blanking here, but it really is so astonishing that there are no norms that attach to him. And for a party, the Republican Party, which in its iteration pre-Trump, at least tried to uh, you know, put itself forward as the party of patriots. How can they stand by this guy? And his... outrageous lack of respect. Or the sacrifice of 9-11. Really extraordinary. And again, I think I fault media because media has stopped, you know, has stopped noting what an outrage. Almost every, everything he does or says is. And they don't ask Republicans to speak to it. And again, it's because he gets a pass. How's that work for us? I it, it just 
unbelievable. Did come across a um, a piece today written by a rock ribbed conservative Republican who says that uh, he he's got one and a half feet out of the Republican Party. I don't know what's keeping him because he says this to belong to the Republican Party. One has to acknowledge that you're part of an ongoing coup d'état. And he made the excellent point that what happened at the Capitol on January 6th was part, a small part almost, of the coup attempt. Not the biggest part. He called it the least important part of the coup. The most important part of the coup is continuing to happen and has since January 6th. And that is the efforts in the states across the country to sabotage the election and future elections, sabotage the investigation into January 6th. And it reminds me, of course, of what's going on in our state. And I don't know if you've paid any attention to it. I have not paid enough. But again, it's like you got to watch these things play out in a way. But you now have the Republicans in Harrisburg attempting to bring to Pennsylvania what's been going on in Arizona, and that would be a so-called forensic audit of our vote in the last presidential election to uncover fraud, which we know and they know doesn't exist. But the play acting of this has to continue apace because it is part of the coup d'etat. They know it's not going to change the outcome. They know Trump will still have lost. But to go back to this rock-ribbed conservative Republican who wrote a piece today, he says the obvious object is to legitimize, to legitimize the 2020 coup in order to soften the ground for the next one. And there will be a next one, as this guy, whose name is Kevin Williamson. He's a correspondent for the National Review. That's William Buckley's rag. So that's coming from a Republican, and he's saying there will be other attempts. And you have Republican legislators in state legislatures, and they control almost two-thirds of all state legislatures in this country. 
doing the yeah, the work. So we now have 14 Republicans, members of the House of Representatives of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and they are now, they have filed a challenge, a legal challenge, to the law that allowed many of us to mail in our ballots for the last election. I mailed in mine. I know a lot of you mailed in yours, and it was because that just a year before 2019, a law that was passed almost unanimously by Republicans and Democrats changed the way mail-in balloting occurred in Pennsylvania. It used to be extraordinarily restrictive. You had to like have a doctor's excuse, like be on your deathbed or knowingly going to be out of town or whatever. And it was onerous. It was very difficult. But what they did, and the Republicans agreed to this, they wholeheartedly supported it. They changed the law so it would be a no excuse mail in. You want to mail in your ballot? Okay. These 14 Republicans who are now challenging that law with the intent of furthering the coup and hopefully, in their point of view, making it more difficult to vote next time around. These These insurrectionists, these these traitors, have brought this challenge to a law that the majority of them voted for. Eleven of the fourteen that are bringing the the legal case, saying this is unconstitutional. Voted for it. Oh, but that was then. This is now. Unbelievable. But not if you understand that this is part of an ongoing coup d'etat. Sponsored by the insurrectionist party, formerly known as the Republican Party. And so while some of these Republicans in the House that they control are up to getting rid of the law that allowed so many of us to vote without fear of COVID, um, there are others very busily, as you know, starting up this forensic audit of our vote. Again, with the sole purpose of undermining, first of all, their base's belief that the election was fair and square, but more 
ominously to help make sure that Democrats don't win the state again. The guy who's leading this in Harrisburg actually traveled to Arizona to learn how to conduct this kind Oh, so you know. And also what they're busily doing is changing whatever laws they can that oversee uh, the elections on a county level, on a state level. This is happening in Republican-controlled states all over. And you'll recall that one of the things that allowed, uh, that, that kept Trump from, from stealing the election were a few stalwart, honorable Republican officials at the state and local level who refused to go along with the coup, who were pressured and threatened and held firm. What's happening to those people now? Uh Uh-huh. They are being eliminated. Oh, we are not at the point where they're being killed. They're being threatened. They're being uh, they're being sort of forced into retirement, or they're just having their powers taken away. And so again, what this rock-ribbed Republican Kevin Williamson says, is that lonely little band of Republican officials who stopped the 2020 coup, mostly in Georgia, also in Michigan. You you remember how this played out. Next time around, next election, they aren't going to be there. They will have been replaced by more pliable and compliant officials. This guy, Kevin Williamson, finishes by speaking to other Republicans and saying, when it comes to a coup, and again, after stating that this coup is continuing, Lest you think it isn't, you think that at your own peril and at the democracy's peril. It is continuing apace, brought to you by Republican officials throughout this country at every level of government. In Washington, trying to stymie the January 6th investigation. And at the state level, manufacturing these absurd circuses and also attempting to rewrite laws that will keep Democrats from voting. And it, he says, when, you know, when it comes to a coup, guys, yeah, there's no middle ground. You're either in or you're out. 
And then he fudges because he says the Republican Party is leaning pretty strongly toward in. Well, I would see this guy. That's why I said he has one and a half feet out of the party because he pulls back there. They're leaning. They're more than leaning. They are full on a party intending to overthrow the democracy of this nation because it's the only way they can win. It's the only way they maintain power. Um, Which brings me to this recall election tomorrow in California. And uh, just so you know, nothing will have changed. Nothing changes. Uh, the trying to do too many things at once here. The claims already, you remember how Trump before the election, well, before the election said it was going to be rigged. And the only way he could lose is if it was stolen. So he set that up. They're doing it again in California. They're already doing it, and Fox News is already doing it. Tucker Carlson already doing it. I'm trying to see if I can find a quote here, just so you know, I ain't making this up. This is their M.O. now. Republicans will never, ever again lose an election. They will only be the victims of a rigged election. And so, already being said, this California vote, because it's looking like Newsom's going to survive it, will be stolen from deceptively designed ballots to corrupt postal workers. Oh my God. The stories they tell each other about the nefarious things going on is just a remarkable exercise in imagination. Fox news. It's already telling its folks. The only way Newsom wins tomorrow is fraud. The coup continues. And I, as long as I'm on this subject, I do want to point out uh, what uh, George W. Bush Good God. Said at Shanksville on Saturday. Unlike the next Republican president who followed him, uh, he was actually honoring the dead that day. Um, Not calling a uh, heavyweight fight. Whatever that thing was. 
Um, and he said he drew a direct line in that speech between 9-11, when he was the president, to January 6th, when Donald Trump was the president. And his words are, are these. We have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not only across borders, but from violence that gathers within. And then he says, there is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. I, I would beg to differ that, but we'll let George have his say. But in their disdain or pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit. That was George W. Bush equating the January 6th participants who have been called but political prisoners and wonderful good people, he's equating them with Al-Qaeda. And he's saying, I don't know why he says there's not cultural overlap, because there is. And then he goes on to say some of the ways. Disregard for pluralism being the biggie. He didn't say need to control women's lives, but they share that as well. And a strange perversion of religion underlying it. It's all there. And there's George W. Bush saying it. And that is an indictment of his own party. The other way there's a direct line between January 6th and 9-11 and Shanksville is that plane that made a U-turn right around Pittsburgh and started heading toward D.C. and was brought down in Shanksville was intending to take out the U.S. Capitol, to hit the dome. Because the 9-11 terrorists understood the value of that symbol, of that target. They understood that taking that down would be an extraordinary victory. 
But because of the people on that plane, they failed. That was the only failure of that day, that horrendous day. They failed. But the January 6th terrorists, they breached it. They breached it. Osama bin Laden's guys couldn't, but Donald Trump's guys did. And both of those terrorists, both those groups, and I'm quoting now, uh, I just want to, Jennifer Rubin, because both of them, foreign ones and our own American ones. They sought the same thing. Destroy our democracy in service to their insane ideologies of intolerance. George W. calling them children of the same foul spirit. Yeah. True. Hey, just something a little bit more um, for a lighter moment for a second. I don't know why I've been getting these things, but I am. Getting, uh, let me find it. Uh, I don't know where I'm seeing them, but I am seeing posts for the uh, Miss Navajo Nation contest. Oh, why can't I find it now? <laughs> because they're a riot. And I don't know why I can't find it. It was so wonderful. I mean, the kinds of things, if you want to win the Miss Navajo Nation contest, uh, oh, here it is, what you have to do. And um, I don't know who won, but this happened, I guess, uh, last week. And I just wanted to tell you some of what the women who are vying for this title. And this thing goes on for a week. So on Monday, it started at 7 a.m. With the contestants in the Miss Navajo Nation contest having to show their skill at sheep butchering. Just say it. Followed at 1 o'clock on Monday by the traditional food contest. And I believe that is where they show that they know how to make Navajo food. Then everybody comes back on Wednesday and they are interviewed. And it's an interview about how much they understand business. Not sure what that means. And then later in the day, 
There's the traditional knowledge interview in which they've got to show that they are totally up on the history of the Navajo Nation. On Friday in the morning, they show their contemporary talent skills. So that might look, you know, singing, dancing, I don't know, something contemporary. And then later in the afternoon, they do their traditional talent and skill test. And then this is followed up, I guess, by the coronation Saturday. So I got to tell you, I mean, that's a much heavier lift, isn't it? Granted, they don't parade around in bathing suits because that's not part of their culture. That's part of our horrific culture. They don't parade around in bathing suits or evening gowns. No, they do stuff that is, uh, you know, I guess. Tied for the poor sheep. I mean, I I, I find it uh, interesting. Oh, and I hear coming coming up on something that I just happened to see and I want to share. You know, all this mask mandate hoo-ha with, uh, you know, the Republicans going stark raving nuts. Um, it's such craziness because polio vaccine, diphtheria vaccine, whooping cough vaccine, yada, yada, smallpox, pneumonia, you name it. There's never been a freak out about any of that. These same people get the vaccines and their kids go to school. Um, No, this one, because it's purely political and an effort to harm, harm Joe Biden by killing as many Americans as possible and stunting the development of our children because they don't have a normal childhood or educational experience and all of that to own the Dems. And here's what makes me nuts. We've known since day one, since Trump, we're talking like about a third of the country, maybe a little bit more. Two thirds of this country is not insane. But the third that is, are holding the rest of us hostage. And because of the messed up system we've got in place with the Electoral College and the Senate, uh, those two things alone give this insurrectionist party of Republicans way more political power than the rest of us. Nowhere near a democracy. This is so far and away from a democracy. If it were one man, woman, and anything in between, one vote, the Democrats would control the country. Because in real numbers, we have won every presidential election, I think, in the last eight contests, have we not? So a poll was done, and this was a a Republican-affiliated pollster. I'm blanking on the name, but you recognize it. 
a poll was done in all the battleground states of whether or not people were in favor of a mask mandate like that imposed by the president. Arizona, 68% favor over two-thirds. That's Arizona, where the Republicans are doing this because they have power there, are doing this absurd audit, part of the coup, where the coup continues. Georgia, where the coup continues. 63% favor mask mandates. Michigan, 61% favor. Pennsylvania, 64% favor. All the battleground states, over 60%. And yet we are stymied, held back, time and time, a time again by this crazed minority. And yet the media doesn't treat it like it's a crazed minority. It's like a, yeah, it's like a two-part, it's like here on the one side and here on the other. When there is rarely a contextual part of the story that says this is a minority. Okay. Here's one of the things I ripped out over the weekend. It's by Max Fisher and uh, in the New York Times. And I found it very telling. It talks about abortion uh, rights, abortion rights, where where they are, where they're not, where they're moving forward, where they're being pulled back. And you know, it's interesting because we know here they're being pulled back big time. And that is not what's happening in the rest of the world. America's exceptionalism also can be seen. The United States stands out and almost stands alone. Because in the last 20 years, 31 nations have expanded access to abortion. Only three have rolled back access. And that's us. And let's see the company we're keeping. Uh, Poland, which is getting full-on nationalist. And Nicaragua, which is under the thumb of uh, an autocrat. Daniel Ortega, right? No, he's not Nicaragua. I am wrong. I 
getting that mixed up with. Maybe he is. I don't know. I'm sorry. Here's what Max Fisher tells us. The odd thing is, is that in these cases where it's being rolled back, it's being rolled back against the wishes of the people. So people in this country are supportive of abortion rights anytime you ask them. But one thing is very clear. When democracy expands, it's not doing here, women's rights expand as well. And the inverse is true. When democracy recedes, you can see it happening right now in Afghanistan, right? Women's rights are taken. One of the first things that happens is women's rights go. And what we're seeing in places like a Poland and in the United States is a rise in nationalism and a peculiar kind of right-wing populism that's white and Christian and straight and male. So one of the things this article says is that for the first time in American history, and this is, this is interesting but unpleasant, for the first time in American history, demographic groups that overwhelmingly are Republican. are clustered in areas that, because of our non-democratic structure of government, receive disproportionate power and voice. For instance, think about this. The Supreme Court, <laughs> Supreme Court justices are increasingly likely to be appointed by a president who lost the popular vote. Trump put three people on that court. He lost bigly the popular vote. He appointed those three. Their appointments went to the Senate of the United States, which also was Republican-controlled. So Republicans who won the national popular vote oh, in only one of the last eight presidential elections have appointed of the nine current Supreme Court justices. They represent a minority of Americans, an increasing minority or a decreasing minority. And yet they have so much power. 
And this guy points out that in Poland and in the United States, you see something very similar. In both countries, their high courts rolled back abortion rights that were favored by a majority of the people. And both of those rulings were preceded by a rise of populist leaders who divided the country and co-opted many institutions. So as Poland goes, so goes the United States. Around the globe, the rise of right-wing populism has been followed by an extraordinary reduction in women's rights. And we here are a shameful part of that trend. wish I had something on, <laughs> but I don't. Oh, I could do this obit. Not a great obit, but I didn't know about this. I suppose a lot of you did because it was a part of a PBS documentary, and then there was a book written about it um, uh, called uh, The Ghost Army. Are you aware of The Ghost Army? Uh, World War II. Anyway, the obituary is of a gentleman named Gilbert Seltzer. And he was the oldest surviving member of the Ghost Army. There aren't many left, obviously. He was 106. By the way, he was working right up until last year. He's an architect. Some people. But so he was in this group called, uh, it was called a lot of things. It became known as the Ghost Army, but it had a number of of different uh, parts. There was a signal uh, company. There was a this, that. But they were there to confound the Germans. Their job was to con the Germans to deceive the Germans, and they were really good at it. They made the Germans not, they didn't fall for it all the time, but they fell for it enough. Think that we had troops in a certain place, lots of troops in a certain place. And so Germany would, of course, respond to that. And the fact is, is we didn't have any. We just had these few guys who were, trained in these strategic con jobs, creating the illusion that there were American troops where there weren't. I mean, yeah, there were a few of these guys. And actually, Mr. Seltzer, who's now gone, said that when they were told about the purpose of their unit, to make the enemy think that they were a huge 
bunch and to draw the fire of the Nazis to where we weren't, except they were, <laughs> Mr. Seltzer. He said, when I first heard about this, I thought, hey, must be a suicide outfit. But strangely, they didn't, uh, yes, some of them died, but they often were out of there before the Germans attacked. Seltzer said that, you know, we were credited with saving as many as 30,000 allied lives. I love him for this, he says, which I think is an exaggeration. <laughs> but he says, if we saved even one, I think it was worthwhile. I'm sorry, I'm talking like he's a, because uh, Seltzer, he's a Jew. Yeah, he was born to Julius uh, and Liss Seltzer, Jewish-Russian immigrants. This is weird. It says here his father owned a knitting mill, but he was an anarchist. Well, how do you own? I mean, it just seems weird. He owned a knitting mill, but he was an anarchist. And in fact, he was such an anarchist that he was tight with Emma Goldman, who was the anarchist. You'll recall it was Emma Goldman's lover who traveled here to Pittsburgh and proved to be the most inept assassin in the history of uh, the United States when he tried to uh, kill uh, Henry Clay Frick downtown in the Frick building. Anyway, so Seltzer, I, it was part of this amazing group. You know who else was in the group with him? Uh, some of you won't know this name either. Bill Blass. Bill Blass is a major uh, women's, maybe men's too, fashion designer. How I just never think of Bill Blass as being part of this they would move into the woods in the middle of the night in France and Belgium and wherever they were, even in Germany, and they would like have sounds that they would broadcast through speakers that sounded like a huge, uh, you know, army riding through the forest, uh, tanks and this is and that. And uh, they would use inflated. I, this is brilliant cannons. I mean, they couldn't shoot. They were just balloons that looked like cannons and tanks and trucks. They would send out misleading radio messages and do all this stuff. And the Germans did often fall for it. So just saying. He continued his architectural career after the war. And in fact, uh, was the architect for a number of, uh, of monuments and also buildings at West Point. Gilbert Seltzer, ghost soldier, lived to be 106. I love it. Uh, all right.
guy, Kurt, sent me this. Canned corn was developed by the government in a secret plan to track your movements. I get it. <laughs> we have a call? All righty. Go ahead, please. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Yes. Um, I wanted to tell you, you're talking about the World World War II. Um, I remember one time one one World War II veteran told me, he said, let me explain something on the World War II. He said he was in it and he saw it all and all that. He said, they're moving, two guys are moving freely. You got a Russian on one end and a Brit on the other end. He said, an American comes along and he said, you guys need help. And he said, yeah. And he lifts it, helps them. They get it in there, and the American takes credit for it. That's <laughs> what he said. And he was a World War II American veteran. So yeah. that tells you yeah. right there. He said, typical uh, Americans take credit for everything. And that's what he said. Well, you know? <laughs> well, there is no doubt that, you know, uh, the Brits were astonishing in their ability to hold off Hitler before we got in. And and then their continued fight, and then the Russians, who, I mean, without the Russians, more Russians were killed in that war than any other nations. Uh, you know, the, the Russians, we'd be goose stepping if not for the Russians. That war, without yeah. a doubt, without a doubt. And so, then one other thing I want to say. Republicans don't realize it, but they gave the Democrats a gift for 2022, banning voting rights and banning abortion in Texas. Thank you for yeah. lighting the fuse because you're good. This is going to backfire on them. And there's people saying that it's going to because you don't you can't cheat enough. If all the people come out like last time, they can't cheat enough. And if they think that people are going to put up with their phony baloney bullshit it ain't going to happen. It's just I think they're they're going down. I really do. And if you see Donald Trump, he went to a rally and it's supposed to be ten thousand people there. There's a couple hundred, so he's dying off too. <laughs> so slowly but surely, it will happen. I think. But, well, we'll uh, see. We'll see. I I I do. I agree with you in part, but these guys they are armed to the teeth and they're going to go down fighting. And we're going to have to we're going to have to keep the fight up, because, as I said, the coup continues in Harrisburg and in capitals all over the country. Right. Yeah. OK. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. Yeah. And we've got a Democrats have to learn to stop just looking at national elections. We have got to get rid of these Republicans in in uh, in the state. Got to get rid of every single one we 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 can, because they are an insurrectionist party. There is no doubt of that, and they've got to be taken down. Just saying. Well, I had this other thing I wanted to talk about, but it's too big for the little bit of time I have left. Well, yeah, it is. It's too much. I could um, I could share with you another, hey, how about some other horrible news? 
Um, no, wait, here's something nice. Let me remind you about, uh, about this opportunity to go to a virtual uh, concert and to uh, benefit a great, great nonprofit, 412 Food Rescue. So I just want to uh, do that um, again. And it's their second annual Yin's Citizen Virtual Concert. And uh, it is number 16. It'd be this week, guys, right? And if you want to go to it, you got to get online at yinscitizen.com. All one word, yinscitizen.com. And it's going to have a ton of musicians, artists, and uh, as they say, all yins who make the city so special. And including, you know, Joe Grishecki and the House Rockers. Uh, they got uh, musicians of the Pittsburgh Symphony that are going to perform, as well as Wiz Khalifa, I guess. I mean, you know, that's a eclectic crowd right there. Former Steeler Baron Batch, now artist Baron Batch. Lots of things going on. So just remember that. Uh, Yinscitizen.com. Check it out. It is the 16th. I'll remind you of that one more time. Okay. And um, this is other little item that, um, again, showing that this the Senate, even though supposedly, you know, it's a 50-50 Senate, uh, because part of our 50 is Joe Manchin, uh, we really don't have control of the Senate. And uh, one of the things the Senate is tasked by our Constitution with doing is, of course, the confirmation of Supreme Court judges and justices and, and also other high-level positions. And do you know that only one quarter of Biden's choices to fill these critical high-level positions in our government have been confirmed? That's the Republicans doing what they do which is trying to hobble government. And believe me, here's who they're hobbling. They're hobbling the Department of Homeland Security, Defense, State, and Justice, the biggies, that these positions are designed to make us safer and have a, uh, a functional government. Thirty nominees to the State Department are being held up by Senator Cruz of Texas. The senator can just by himself or herself hold up a nomination. And he's blocking those votes because he wants uh, Biden imposed sanctions on this gas pipeline linking Russia and Germany. Now, 
if we were to do that, that would create a lot of havoc with our important ally, Germany. We've certainly made our displeasure known, but he's holding up government. One of the people he's holding up is the guy who's supposed to be the Assistant Secretary of State for Intelligence. So there's like a, a 1,200 Senate-confirmed jobs. Only 144 of 442 nominations have been filled. Thus, And again, it's another indication that our government, with Republicans in it, does not function. Because part of what they are there for is to keep government from functioning. Just to know, we got to get them out, every last one of them. Okay, hope to find something a little more lighthearted for tomorrow, but I can only share what I'm myself seeing, and I ain't seeing too many happy-go-lucky things. But it's a nice day. Take it outside. Okay. See you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.